if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 1. Uh, last week we started in a series in the book of Mark. One of the things that we like to do is go through entire books of the Bible. We call it expository preaching where we're exposing um, the word a bit by bit. Um, we're going through chapter by chapter. We feel like you have a better idea of the overall context of what that word means, that chapter means, what that book means, whenever you put everything together. Uh, context is important because knowing what happens before, what happens after, what happens during, uh, what happens in the historical setting, the cultural setting, it pieces everything together and you have a much better understanding of what God is doing. So today we're going to look at two passages that are linked together. Many times people put them as two separate stories and I felt like, man, they, they co cohesively together. And so if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 1, it's in the New Testament. Um, if you don't have a Bible, man, you can follow along with me on the screen, and we'll read it together. Starting in verse 9, it says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. It says the spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. I want to speak to you this morning um, using as a title, baptize me and tempt me. Baptize me. And tempt me. Some of you are like, man, what do those two words have in common? What, why, why are you talking about this? These, these two words are not related. But I, I plead to you today that, that I believe that there's some connections here between God's baptism and what happens next. Because the reality is that we all struggle and fight with temptation. Anybody hear me today? Anybody ever been tempted before? Some of you are like, I'm being tempted right now. You know, I hope not. But we get temptations. We fight with ourselves. Our struggle is between our own flesh. Every single day for the rest of our lives, no matter how old you are, no matter where you come from, we are carnal, we are physical, and we will fight our flesh. Some of, you, some of us, our temptations is food. I mean, like food in this place. I love me food. I mean, that is my biggest temptation. Like, I will lose the battle. Every single time. Like, um, I love it. I love chocolate. Anybody love chocolate in this place? Like, you're like, I love desserts. You put cookies and brownies in front of me. They will disappear like the rapture. Like, it would just, psh, they'll be gone in an instant. Um, I, I love, um, and I love a good, I love Mexican food. We had some tacos last night, gorditas aguas calientes, right here around the corner. Try it out. Um, some great food. We have temptations. It's part of who we are and what we, what we, the kind of person we are. That's how God created us to be. See, when we find ourselves in this story of the Bible, I, I want to tell you, this is not just a story. This is reality. This is something that really happened. This is his story, God's story of Jesus Christ that came to the earth 2,000 years ago, and he lived and dwelt among us. He walked among us, and he, he came and he sacrificed himself as, as our Savior and gave his life for us. Jesus came. 
And when he comes and we find ourselves in the story, we talked about Mark. Mark is writing to an audience that's predominantly Roman Christians, people that are not traditional Jewish people at that time. No, these are the other people, the secular people. These are the people in the world, people that have been doing, um, that have, didn't grow up in church. And they're, they're converting to Christian, Christianity by, by, the, by the multitudes. And they're, they're fighting through an early church of, of, of martyrdom and, and of early church of persecution. And, and they're, they're, they're trying to struggle of who Jesus is. And so what Mark is doing, he gets right into the action and gets into the miracles of Jesus. He passes the, the baby Jesus story. He passes the nativity story and gets straight into the action here in the first chapter of Jesus now grown with us and among us. Jesus is not this child. He's with us and among us. And he's here and he's about to get baptized by his cousin John. Last week we talked about John as he was preaching repentance and he was preaching for people to get their lives right because there was a Jesus that, had been co- that was going to be coming. Can I tell you, people waited for thousands of years for a Jesus that would come. And when Jesus finally came, they didn't know what to do with him. Jesus showed up and, and people waited and waited and waited for years and years and years. And Jesus finally showed up and these people didn't know what to do with him. John here is his own cousin and he's like, baptize you. Why am I going to, I'm not even worthy enough to carry your sandals or, or tie your shoes. Like I'm not good enough for that. But Jesus says here, I'm here to fulfill what God has called me to do. See, the plan of Jesus is here is, is I, a reality, the premise of today is that there's going to be moments of baptism, but there's going to be moments of temptation. There's going to be moments of struggle. There's going to be moments where we come to the altar. But it, when we come here and, and dwell in God's presence, it's to prepare us for tomorrow when we become, when, when we go out into the world and we go to our workplace, when we go to our school, wherever we go to, it's to prepare us. Moments here in the church, well, why we come to church? Because it prepares us. This is our training ground for what's next. It's not just so that we can hang out here and celebrate. It's not just so we can come to church and look good and dress nice and come and say we, we, we checked off that box off our mark and said, okay, we're a Christian already. We're good. I did my good deed for the week. No, it's so that it prepares us for tomorrow because we're going to experience some crazy stuff because we are in warfare with an enemy that is wanting to do things against us. Anybody hear me today? So baptize me and tempt me. So Jesus comes before John and he tells him, I, I want to be baptized. I want to I wanna fall in the, into accordance to whatever you're asking me to do. I want to be in obedience. Those three things I want to tell you about baptism. Number one, Jesus was in obedience. There was an obedience, a, 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 a godly obedience where he understood. See, Jesus was without sin. He never sinned. Jesus was perfect in every single way, but Jesus knew that if I'm going to take on the sins of the world, I'm going to take on the sins of George, the sins of everyone around here. If I'm going to take on, I'm going to show the example and obey to be what every high priest should do. It's obedience. I know I don't need to be washed. I know the baptism is not going to save me, but I'm here to show 
that even myself, I'm willing to obey and put myself as the example because I'm going to take on the weight of the world of sin. Aren't we grateful that God took our sin? Aren't we grateful that God took the weight of sin and death? That we can no longer, we're no longer bound by sin. We're no longer bound by depression, by suicide. We're no longer bound by, by anger, by thoughts, by pride. We are set free in Jesus' name. We are no longer bound by addiction, but Jesus who took our sin. He took who we were. He took the person that messed up, the person that slept around, the person that got drunk. He took us and he made us into something fresh, something new. We are a new creation, the Bible tells us. And he obeyed and said, you know what? I'm going to take on the sins of the world. And I'm going to come before her. Number two, in that moment, there was a connection between God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We understand there's a trinity. There's three personalities in one God. We believe in one God, and there's three. Father, Son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Many years before, the Father created the world. The Father created everything, and, everything, and, and he said, I'm going to send my son one day. So for thousands of years, they waited for a son named Jesus Christ. And then when Jesus left this earth, they, he, he sent another helper, uh, an advocate, the Holy Spirit to be with us. And with us today is his spirit that is with us. Jesus has never left us. His power is still in us today. And so there's community. And for the very first time in the history of the world, he, Jesus says here, it says it right here in the, in the scripture in Mark's gospel. And he came out of the water immediately the heavens being torn open. And the spirit descended on him like a dove. Some of you have been in church for a while or maybe you went to church once and you saw a symbol of a dove maybe on someone's church logo and some backdrop, something. You're like, well, why is there a dove? Why is there a little bird? This is where it comes from. It's a symbol of God's presence descending on like a gentle uh, animal that came upon him like a dove. And so we use that many times as, as a symbol for God's presence, something that's so gentle, something so clean, something so small that comes upon Jesus. And there's a spirit of God. And it says, a voice from heaven, you are my beloved son. In you, I, I am well, you are well pleased. In you, I am well pleased. See what's happening? There's a connection. There's community. There's no longer Jesus by himself, but he's operating with God's power and he's operating with God's spirit. And there's a community among them. Something special that happens when we come even before God and we let God baptize us and fill us. If you've never been filled in God's presence, I will guarantee you that this isn't the kind of church where we ignore that kind of stuff. We love God's presence here. We love his presence. We love his baptism. We believe in his anointing. We believe in his power. And I want to explain to you and help you get there. But when we come here, it's not just so for us to come and have a beautiful moment. No, it's a moment where we become community with God, where God, we stop talking and we let God talk through us. We let God speak through us and we let his power in us. There's community. You're not alone in this. Some of you need to know this. Some of you think you're alone in life, but the reality is that there's God that's been working on your behalf. Number three, the third thing, in Jesus's baptism, there was favor. Some of you need to realize that there's favor upon your life. Even when you don't realize, even when you're not serving God, there's favor. But the most beautiful part of favor is that favor isn't fair. See, when God has favor over your life and when you're walking into God's life, when you're walking in God's obedience, when you're walking in God's community, you will realize that there's God doing things on your behalf that you didn't realize how that even happened. 
Anybody been a, been a witness to some favor of God in your life? You were like, man, how did I get out of that car accident? How did I get out of that? How did I get out of that situation? That money just dropped, that bonus showed up, or something happened in my life, and there was favor that wasn't fair to you because the reality is that we're all sinners. We're all messed up. We deserve nothing. But then God says, here I am, and you, I am well pleased. Because you came up upon me, because you came in obedience, because you came and you looked for my community, you looked for my son, for my father to fill you, I am well pleased with you. Can I tell you today, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you did last night, God is pleased. He loves you just the way you are, and he loves you just how you came. No matter how you came, no matter how you go, God loves you. He says neither height nor death, neither angels nor demons, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's favor upon your life, and whether you believe it or not, someone invited you to come here. You didn't come here on your own. Whether you found us online or however you got here, there is someone that's been praying for you, someone preparing the way for you. And there's favor, and there's an opportunity to be in favor with God. I'd rather be in favor with God than be in favor with man. I'd rather live under God's favor than to live under favor of anyone else. When I'm under his favor, I come into his, his life and I say, God, you're in control. Baptize me, God. We talked about last week about baptism. It's like literally taking a bath. It's just like being filled. Like just someone throws you into a pool. Has anybody ever been thrown into a pool before? You walk out and you're drenched. I want to be drenched in God's power. I want to ooze God's love, his mercy, and grace. I don't want to be a fake person. I want to be real with God. And I want to know that God is real with me. And I believe that God's real in this place. And if you've never experienced the power supernatural of God, today is the day. But here's the thing the Bible tells us. It says, verse 12, it says, the spirit, yeah, the moment of baptism. And here's what happens. Most people disconnect these two stories. There's one story here where it's a baptism, and it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. A dove comes down. The voice of heaven erupts. A beautiful moment for Jesus, confirming what Jesus can do, confirming what's happening in the life of Jesus. Something beautiful, something incredible. But then it says that afterwards, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Said he had a beautiful story, a beautiful experience, but then right after this, the Spirit moved him to go into the wilderness. Can I tell you today that we're going to experience the power of God up here in your seat in this place? We're going to experience the power of God, but the power of God will also move you to go to places you never wanted to go. The power of God is going to move you into places in supernatural ways, and you're going to wonder, how did I even end up here? God, why did you move me into this place? Into the wilderness. The wilderness is literally the desert where there's no food. There's no water. You move me into a place, God. Why are you moving me to this place? Can I tell you, when we follow the leading of God's presence and his spirit, his voice is going to take us to places that only he will sustain us in. The reality is, is we need God. And the only way we're going to live out our life is in God and depending on God. Anybody hear me today? You're only, you're only going to live on your sustenance with God. 
You're only going to be sustained with God. And in the wilderness, when you have no one around you, not a friend, that's where it comes down to God. Let the Spirit guide us today. Let the Spirit move us today to places where we thought it'd be crazy to even go. But let the Spirit move us to a place, God, where it's going to be hard and we need his power in our lives. See, because in the, in the temptation, number one, there's submission. Number one, there's submission. See, it's one thing to be obedient. In the baptism, it's being obedient. You're, you're, you're obligating. You're, that word obligation and obedience, they come in hand in hand. You're, you're doing it to, to, to be to obligate. You're doing it. It's like, you know, man, I, I got to do it because, you know, my mom told me to do it. I got to do it because... I got to look good, you know. That's obligation. That's being obedient. But there's another thing about submission, which is very similar to obedience. But when you submit, you realize you come under authority someone else. And you're coming authorities over someone else's under plan. And you're, 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 you're putting yourself in a place where someone is over you. When you submit, you say, okay, I am not my own. Someone else is in control. Someone else is in charge. We submit. See, the Spirit drove. Jesus didn't go on his own to the wilderness. No, the Spirit moved him into the wilderness. There was a submission saying, I'm going to go wherever God tells me to go, even if it doesn't look good. I'm going to plant churches in places where God has called me to plant, even if it doesn't look good, even if it's not glamorous. I'm going to go to the mission field in places where, where God is not called, where, where, where God, where it doesn't look good, but God has called me to go there. I'm going to go. I'm going to take that job, even though it's not the most glamorous, but that's what God has called me to do. As I follow his spirit, I realize that my, my authority is not my own and that someone else is in charge. Anybody here believe that? That, I'm, man, I am not my own authority. That someone else is better than me. Someone else is greater than me. And I, I can only live because, because someone else is in charge. Someone else is on the throne. Someone else is over my life. And I cannot live my life on my own. I need a God in my life. I need a God that's in charge. I need someone else that will drive me to places. And be whether it be in the wilderness, whether it be in the desert, whether it be in places where I don't want to go. So if it's God's will, so be it. So be it. Because number two, in the temptation, it was an isolation. Isolation. See, there's moments you're going to find yourself. Here you're in among Christians. You're among friends. You're among a family. And I want you to feel like you're at home in your family. I want, I want to be a family to you. We, that's why we call ourselves brother and sister in here in church. If you ever wonder, like, oh, they call me brother and sister. They're like, you're not my bro. You, don't bro me if you don't know me. Like, you know, we feel like we're a family here. And when one hurts, we hurt. But I will tell you, there's going to be times. I love church. I love church people. But we're all going to fail you at one point or another. Like, I hate to say that. I'm just, I'll just be with you. With you. Last week, we're, we we're talking about being a real church, and I just want to be a real pastor, a real leader. Do you, I'm going to fail you one day. Someone else next to you is going to fail. Someone, someone is failing you right now, probably. And, and the reality is there's moments you're going to fight, and you're going to feel like you're isolated. You feel like you're alone. Jesus went to the desert alone, the wilderness alone, for 40 days. And the Bible says he was tempted by Satan. Satan. There's three other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that all share this entire story of the wilderness. 
temptation of Jesus, but only one of them, Mark's gospel, where we're at right now, uses the word Satan as the one that tempted Jesus. This word Satan literally means an adversary, an antagonist. If you didn't know this, there is people or there's an adversary, I'll put it like that, an adversary that is working against you. There is an enemy, a Satan that is working against you to tempt you, to defeat you, to destroy you, to put you down, to make you think you're not good enough, to make you think you're, you're still, man, you're still messed up. You'll never get better. You're always going to be like this. You're not, you're not going to get better than this. You're, and, the, and the Satan is always going to put those thoughts into your head for the rest of your life. Fighting against you, putting discord between your husband and wife, putting discord between you and your family members, your friends. He, he's going to put thoughts inside of you. He's going to make you think you're prideful. He's going to put you into places where you think you're better than everyone. And you're always going to be fighting the flesh. See, Jesus was offered everything and every opportunity while he was weak, while he was isolated. But don't think for a moment. See, here Jesus is over here and he's in community. He has the Father. The Son and the Spirit, everyone's together in harmony. But over here, he's isolated. But even in isolation, the Bible says, number three, there's provision. There's provision. Even then, there's provision because even Jesus had animals and angels with him. They're there with him. There's provision. What happens is that God moves in ways why we come to church, why we come to experience this, when we come to come to church, when we come up here and we come and, and worship God and we serve and we come and, 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 and linger in his presence, we have beautiful moments of obedience, community, and favor. But it's there to prepare us for moments of submission, isolation, and the moments where we need provision. See, both of these people, people, or most people just disconnect these two passages. But the beautiful thing about it is the Spirit leads us and drives us to places of wilderness. Have you ever been in a moment where you felt like you were by yourself? Have you ever been in a moment where you felt like you had no one else? You had no one with you, no one on your side. Everyone is against you. And you felt like you're by, you have no other friends and you're fighting temptation. See, temptation is when the enemy tries to get you to do something you don't want to do, but you're fighting it, whether it's, man, it's, it's doing something else or going back to that addiction, going back to that relationship, going back to something, and you're fighting your flesh over and over and over again. Can I tell you, you're always going to be fighting, but greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is he. That there's someone that's better out there and he's fighting for us and he's with us. Man, while we come here in these moments of baptism where we receive God's favor, we come over here and, we, and you come and that's why we come to an altar. We come in this moment and we die to ourselves and we let God come and live in us. And in a moment, I'm going to have an opportunity for you to ex receive God's presence and, and his power. But in that moment when we come, it's not so us for us to kind of have a, hey, you know, we had a good service. It felt good. Everything was great. Everything was fine and dandy. The music was good. The preacher was cool. Uh, afterwards, I got a cup of coffee and I got a coffee mug. It's, that's not what the church is for. It's not just for you to come. Because it's one thing to come. What happens tomorrow and after this is what matters. 
It's not about what happens on Sunday. What happens on Monday is more important. You can come for an hour and you can come and celebrate and sing and follow along with us all you want and, and hang out with us. And it's cool. I, I love to hang out with people. But what's most important is what happens in those moments of fight, fighting the struggle, temptation. That's when we realize, I need a God. That's when we realize, I need a Savior. I need someone on my, my, my mind. If I had to summarize this up in one sentence, moments in baptism will prepare you for moments of temptation. Moments of baptism will prepare you for moments of temptation. I'm not going to tell you that moments of temptation won't come. I'm not going to tell you that things are going to be great starting today and tomorrow, that everything's going to be phenomenal, everything's going to look good, that you're never going to fight again. No, what I'm going to tell you is that you're going to come, you're going to come to church, and it's going to prepare you for the battleground you're going to face tomorrow. It's going to prepare you for what's next after this. It's going to prepare you for whenever you go home, whenever you go see your coworkers, when you find someone else. It's going to prepare you, and that's what Mark is telling these Romans. He says, you're going to be fighting all the rest of your life. You're going to find yourself in moments of, 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 of distraught. You're going to find yourself in moments of fear. You're going to find yourself in moments of anxiety. You're going to find yourself in moments of, of, of you just need God. You're going to find yourself in an isolation. You're going to find your moments where you're weak. And you're going to find these moments. You you're, don't have no one around you. And you're going to feel, you're going to feel weak. You see, the devil tried to offer Jesus everything. There's three types of temptation. Lust of the eyes, things that look good. Psh, that girl look good. Watch out. Girl's blessed. Food, oh, psh, man, it looks good. The lust of the flesh feels good. Man, I like this. Man, I want some more of this. Man, my mind is telling me no, but my body is telling me yes. Flesh. Some of you got that. Some of you are like, was I supposed to know that? Flesh. One thing, it looks good. The other thing is it feels good. And the third type of temptation, pride of life. It doesn't just look good. It doesn't feel good. I am good. Pride tells you, I'm good. Pride says, I'm fine just the way I am. I'm okay. I, I can do bad all by myself. I can do me. I'm good. I'm, I don't need someone. Every sin you commit is a sin of pride because it's all it does is tell you, tell God, I don't need you. I'm fine on my own. I don't need you for my marriage. I can do it, do it myself. I don't need you for my family. I don't need you for my finances. I don't need you for my career. I don't need you for my kids. I don't need you. And every single time it's a sin against God and it's a sin of pride because you think you're better than him. Every single time we defy God and, say, and we sin, we are literally telling God, no, I can do it on my own. But like I said last week, I want a real church with real people fighting temptation. I, I don't want people with masks on. I want people that say, God, I'm, I'm ready to remove the mask. And God, remove the mascara, all the makeup, everything, all the junk. Remove it all, God. I want to come before you. 
And I want to come in front of other Christians and show people, this is my scars. These are my wounds. This is what I've been through. Man, I messed up last night. I messed up. And this is a family. When I say this is a family, you come up here and you want, to, you want someone to pray with you? We're not here to blast it on Facebook. We're not here to blast it. To no, we're here so that you can overcome in Jesus. I don't care if you fought with your wife. I don't care if you fought with your boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't care if you're just ready to give up and throw in the towel. I'm looking for people that says, I know I'm fighting temptation. And that's why I need God to fill me and baptize me. When I'm in community with God, God says, I am with you. I'm well pleased in you. You're not doing it alone. You're not doing it by yourself. Someone with you. There's an enemy that's trying to destroy you, but he will not win. And everything that the enemy meant for harm, God will mean it for good. Every temptation that you fought, every addiction, every thought of suicide, anger, defeat, God's about to turn things around in your favor and he will provide in ways like never before. So my prayer today is this, baptize me, God. An enemy, tempt me. Give it your best shot. Not gonna bring me down because I have the power of God in me and I am a new creation. I am a new person and in him, he is well pleased with me. And so enemy, give me your best shot. Tempt me, baptize me God and tempt me Satan, but you're not gonna bring me down. I am not, I am not my own. Someone else is in authority. Someone else is in power. Can somebody believe God today? name of Jesus. So today, you realize you're not, you're doing it on your own. I want to give you an opportunity to make things right. I'm going to make two invitations every week we do this. And, and I want us to take this next moment seriously. Before you leave here, you're going to make a decision, whether you like it or not. One way or another, you'll make a decision. We have a team of people that are ready to pray for you. I'm going to ask them to come. But if you're here today, I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. This moment is just between you and God. Just think about you and God. Think about your life with God. It's just you and him. Is your life right with God? I'm not asking you if you go to church. I'm not trying to get you to change your religion. I'm asking you, do you have a relationship with God? Do you know him? Do you know him? And maybe you've messed up and maybe you've, sin has conquered your life. Pride. Anger, is it lust? What is it? There's no sin so great that God cannot forgive. If you're here today and you say, man, I need to make some things right with God. Maybe it's your first time coming to church or maybe you've been here many times or you've been to church for a long time. Just because you go to church does not make you a Christian. If you're here today and you say, man, I, I want to make things right with God, I want you to just raise your hand up really quick. And you say, man, I, I want to make things right with God. I see that hand, young man. That's the best, best decision you ever make in your life. Anyone else here? I want to pray for you. Anyone else here? 
Say, I'm tired of fighting. I just want God in my life. Is anybody else here? You say you want to raise your hand and say, God, change my life. I want to pray for you. Father God and everyone else together, we, if you believe this, if you want to say this, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but, but you could pray in your own words to this. God, forgive me of my sins. God, change my life. God, open heaven. And I want your voice to say in you, I'm well pleased. God, Holy Spirit, just pour out. Cleanse me. I know I've messed up. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's the best decision you've ever made. I'll tell you that. Best decision you've ever made. We, we want to connect with you after service. But the rest of the church is the second question I have. The, I'm going to invite everyone to stand. We're about to start to get into worship for the next few moments. But here, maybe you're here today and you're fighting some, some temptations. Maybe you're here today and you just need prayer. Maybe you're struggling with something. And you just need someone to pray with you. We have a, we have a group of people here that are, we're just regular people. We're not, we're not anyone special. I want to invite you to come. We come up here, we experience God. Whether you experience Him at your seat or up here, God is in this place. And I want to believe in God's fresh baptism of His presence to come. Where literally He floods this place with His presence in an intangible way, in a supernatural way. You can experience things in the natural, but the things that happen in the supernatural. John said it himself, I baptize you with the water and the natural, but there's going to come that's coming after. He's going to baptize you in his spirit. So I'm going to invite you now for the church. This is an opportunity for you to come to worship. Come. We, if you need prayer, we're here to pray. The band's going to lead us into a song. You just need someone to pray with you. We're here. If you just want to worship, come up here. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and lift up your hands as the band leads us in worship. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we pray. We pray. Feel free to come. Feel free to step out of your seat. Feel free to come and listen to God. someone to pray with you, we're here. If you need someone to walk with you and talk to you, we're here. Just come. Because greater is the power of God that's in you than he that's out there. All of us here are broken people. All of us here are just people that know that need Jesus. Just come. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want him without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great. Love is greater. 